Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with my colleague, Sebastian Agner from Developer Advocacy, talking about the state of Kotlin JavaScript. Hi, Sebastian, and welcome to the show. Hi, Hadith. That's super nice to be here. Yeah, it is, actually. Like, we we talk quite a bit every day. And um, yeah. it's nice to do that on the show. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to to share some of uh, some of the news about the the Kotlin JavaScript platform because I, I think it's probably the most exciting and maybe a little bit of an overlooked target for Kotlin. Yeah, I definitely think it's overlooked, um, and and that's why I thought you know let's let's do this show because recently at KotlinConf you had a presentation with the same title, right, which was the state of Kotlin yeah, the state JavaScript. of Kotlin JS. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, just briefly introduce yourself. What do you do? I mean, I did tell people what you do, but you can quickly tell people what you do. Okay, so hi again. My name is Sebastian Eichner, um, and I work in developer advocacy at JetBrains, and I focus on the topics of uh, Kotlin JavaScript, but I uh, also do some stuff uh, around Kotlin in uh, education, and I also do some stuff for our internships here at JetBrains to make sure that we get some some new talent here in our Munich office especially. Yeah, if you just did some publicity there. I'm going yeah. to I'm going to charge you. Like I'm going to start charging people that that start to publicize what they do. Oh, that's very good. You can just charge my employer. Um I'm sure they'll be happy to pay for it. That's a bloody good idea, isn't it? Oh, I never thought of that. Okay, cool. Um yes, and this segment has been brought to you by JetBrains with developer tools. Kotlin JavaScript, I mean, has been released for quite a while. So what is the main update there? I mean, what's happening in that space? I mean, I think the, the, the best thing about what's happened recently is that um, the story of how to get started with, with Kotlin JavaScript has uh, really kind of come together and has gotten a lot clearer. Because uh, if you looked at it maybe uh, a year or two back, there was, I don't know, four or five different ways on how you could actually target JavaScript through uh, through Kotlin. And it was super not clear uh, what would be the right approach, actually. To get started, there was a bunch of different information floating around. If you look at uh, blog posts from the community, some used the uh, Kotlin front-end plugin, some used Kotlin 2JS, um, some used uh, the idea build system and target, target JavaScript to that. Um, and fortunately, uh, now this, this whole story has become a lot clearer, and that is that we now have one unified uh, Gradle plugin that targets JavaScript. So you're not talking just about documentation, but also the way the tool or the path that the tool guides you on, right? Absolutely. So beforehand, uh, there was a bunch of different build systems, and now it really um, it has really crystallized that uh, Gradle and the the Kotlin .js plugin, um, which we'll also be heavily promoting uh, going forward, uh, is the way to go if you want to do JavaScript through Kotlin. All right, so essentially Maven is out the window, IntelliJ build system is out the window, and, and if people want to do Kotlin targeting JavaScript, they should just use the Gradle plugin? Yeah, so that's definitely the, the most uh, future-proof way of going about it today. And is um, that because of multi-platform, or is it just because like we're just going to use Gradle.js? So... The code that we have in the Kotlin JS plugin is actually to a large part shared with the multi-platform plugin because 
typically I would assume that the user story for um, for using Kotlin.js is not people uh, who are just fed up with JavaScript. I'm sure there's a lot of those as well. Um, but it's probably people who want to share some kind of code between maybe backend and frontend um, or between their, their different frontend apps from, from mobile and, and JavaScript. So uh, the, since the code is actually shared between the multi-platform plugin, uh, for Gradle and the the JavaScript plugin, uh, it will well it future proofs you in the way that you can just take the the JavaScript relevant parts and at some point move those over into a multi platform project uh, without having to adjust the DSLs. They're they're virtually the same. But we continue to support Maven, right? I mean, if people want to use Maven, they can continue to use that. Uh, Not for sure. multi platform. Uh, I sure. just mean for yeah. For for Kotlin in general, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question regarding the target audience, which you mentioned just now. And you say, you know, I think that maybe a lot of the target audience for this kind of technology is those that want to share code. Because that uh, takes me to another question around the build system, which we'll get to. But do you feel like if you look at the JavaScript ecosystem, obviously there is JavaScript itself, then there's TypeScript. Then there is uh, Kotlin.js, there's Scala.js, there's a whole bunch of other languages that try and go to J JavaScript. Do you not think that Kotlin.js could kind of replace or play alongside TypeScript in just front-end development without needing to share code? Uh, so absolutely, that's uh, that's a possibility. Um, we actually try to play very nicely with, uh, with TypeScript. Um, that goes from uh, Ducat, our project that allows you to take uh, TypeScript declaration files uh, and generate the, the external declarations for Kotlin. So you can use them from Kotlin there. Um, Ducat, is also, that, what, what is that, a, a tool that we have that, that allows you to do this? Yeah, so Ducat is, a, is currently an, an experimental tool that essentially um, takes the... So, so the way that the TypeScript... Um, Usually structures their uh, their header files, their like their interfaces on how you you interact with with packages with dependencies is uh, that you have some kind of header file um, that specifies the types, that specifies the functions and, and classes and all of that stuff um, that you use. And Ducat can or the goal of Ducat is to completely automatically convert the TypeScript definitions to uh, Kotlin declarations. And what that essentially means is that without having to to write any kind of adapters like you might have to for for other packages, um, you can you can directly access the the JavaScript ecosystem, which, as you might know, is is pretty huge. So then, essentially, we don't have to have the equivalent of what would be uh, definitely typed, right? Which is a website where you have all of the TypeScript definitions for the most popular libraries and frameworks. Ducat basically takes that and converts it to Kotlin. Right. So the, the it's pretty much this this exact idea of uh, not wanting to split the community any further. The definitely typed repositories and, and TypeScript has become the the de facto standard for uh, the JavaScript ecosystem to define uh, strongly typed uh, APIs for for packages written both in TypeScript and JavaScript. So rather than Build the whole thing again from scratch and relying on a whole new community and duplicating the work. Uh, the idea is to to really work in harmony 
with with the folks from Definitely Typed and and use the work that's already been done to our advantage for for Kotlin JS, which is also very much in line with the philosophy of Kotlin, exist uh, embracing existing ecosystems, yeah, not replicating, not having to redo everything from scratch. Certainly, and this actually this this goes a lot further, right? So we don't try to uh, bring people to uh, to write their own. Uh, web frameworks, for example, if they if they want to bring bring Kotlin to the browser, we actually provide, for example, wrappers for uh, React, Redux, uh, styled components, all these kind of things. And under the hood, that still is the the original the original JavaScript sources that you just interface with. It's not like we've re-implemented the whole library just to uh, just to be able to to achieve the same thing. Right. Now, coming back to the audience, so we say that, yeah, this is for people that want to do front-end development and don't necessarily like the options out there. And then there's the people that want to share code. So, and I think with, especially with the first group of people, you know, we are a different ecosystem in that we have... Gradle, we have the JVM. You need to have these tools on your system in order to be able to create a Kotlin targeting JavaScript application. And if we're targeting people from the JavaScript community that may have a TypeScript transpiler because they're, you know, that's already common things, but they use different build systems, right? I, I don't know what is the latest in in the JavaScript ecosystem, whether it's Webpack, what what it is, that is it still uh, Node.js files that people are using to to build projects, et cetera. I'm, I'm not going to comment on this because by the time this episode comes out, you know, might already be outdated. It again. might change, right? But there is a mismatch, yeah? I mean, there's a mismatch between what the JavaScript community is used to and what we're doing with Kotlin. Certainly. Um, that's that's definitely uh, probably one of the, the biggest issues that we see for uh, adoption. The kind of go-to way of, of, of tackling this for now is to make getting started as easy as possible. So really keeping people ideally as far away from the, from the build system for, for when they start out and then Hopefully, once once they like the rest of the experience, once they like the fact that they can just get up and running, um, then kind of maybe gradually introducing them to the rest of the ecosystem. But I definitely agree that it's going to be a lot harder um, to bring people who are who come from completely different build systems uh, and, and ecosystems to to Kotlin rather than to bring those folks who already know Kotlin and and all the the surrounding ceremony uh, to to just adopt to another target and and learn a little bit more about that. And it's also a very thin line because I mean if you look at it in terms of the JavaScript ecosystem, you know, you just joked and said, yeah, by the time this episode is over, there's going to be a new build system out. And but but that same idea of you know, today I'm using Webpack. Tomorrow, a new build system comes out, and I switch to that because it may offer me some advantages, etc. It's not foreign to JavaScript developers, right? They are quite frequently changing build systems or changing whatever. Yep. So, changing to Gradle is also kind of yes, this is a new build system for me as a JavaScript developer that may have some advantages, right? It, it's, it, there's not, you know, like the line is quite thin. I think that probably the biggest hurdle is the whole JDK 
you know, having the Java virtual machine on, on your system to be able to run all this, right? And, and I agree that, it, you know, if we focus on minimizing the getting up and running experience, that could probably help people. Yeah, I feel like it's all about the the cost of switching. If there's a, a high upfront cost just to get started and, and try things out for the first time, uh, it's going to be a lot harder for, or people are, will not be as willing to to kind of adopt it and, and try it out. But if we can kind of lower this barrier, then show people, hey, you can set up a new project uh, in in IntelliJ, for example, uh, that ships with a with a pre bundled JDK. Um, and that automatically writes at least a, a basic Gradle configuration for you, so you can get started with a with a browser app or a Node.js app. Then I feel like if we if we can push this uh, this level of of effort that people need to put in as low as possible, uh, it will encourage them to to try out the platform more, even if they don't have a background in the ecosystem. Yeah, and it's the same thing that I encounter, for example, when I'm you know. The other day, in fact, I was going to update, well, I was going to consider updating my blog template, the one that I haven't blogged on for over a year. Yeah, because that that's the critical thing, right? Not to create more contents, but to update the template. And obviously. Obviously. And I went to, you know, one of these template sites and I start to browse through different templates. And what do I see? Again, you know, Languages that are replacing CSS before it was less SAS, some other language that is doing that, some other build system. And I'm like, okay, I can download this. I can just replace some files. But when it comes to tweaking, this is going to be a nightmare, right? I mean, like I've got to learn 10 new things in order to be able to tweak a pixel on the left or on the right or, or move something. Yeah, and, right. and it's it's kind of the same experience. So you got to lower that barrier and make it easy for people to get started and to know how to go to the next step. Yeah, and on the other hand, once we have actually lowered this this barrier enough, uh, I feel like it opens uh, a whole new world to to those developers specifically, right? Because then, if you end up sharing code between your front end and your back end, uh, it might be a lot less daunting uh, to to adjust something uh, in the back end of your, your project and the front end if they're both written in Kotlin because you might have already have gotten some experience with it. You've already tried it out. You can read the language. The barrier is, is already lowered. Yeah, and then comes the aspect of sharing code, which I think that by and large, the majority of developers, whether they're front end, back end, mobile, desktop, whatever, nobody is really against sharing code. They might be against hacking they might be against solutions that feel like you're sharing code but ultimately become more painful but if we are to offer a real easy uh straightforward way for people to share code that isn't painful i don't think anyone in their right mind would be against it right why would no. i want to write the same thing over and over again exactly no one likes duplicating work and no one likes duplicating maintenance i believe yeah, I mean, we we even the concept of sharing code. We we talk about. I mean, we do it all the time in software development. Yeah, we we take a function and we're like, well, I'm not going to duplicate this function. I'm going to reuse it. That's why I extract it into a function. Sometimes we screw up because we start adding parameters to functions for special edge cases for the code that I'm supposedly wanting to share. 
and you know it, it just goes down the wrong path. But if done properly, we're doing this every day in our in our work, right? Just sharing code in the form of functions, classes, whatever. And here it's just about taking that to the next step and sharing it across your front end and your back end or your slash mobile uh, site, right? Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. <laughs> and and where are we with that? I mean, with Kotlin JS. In terms of code sharing, how is the state of that? Well, um, it's you can already do some stuff, but I think the the, the really nice uh, the really nice way of, of code sharing is is going to come with uh, with the new compiler backend, right? So uh, with with one point four and, and going forwards, we have a couple of really cool things in the works that make it extremely easy to to kind of connect your your application code that you've written in Kotlin to whatever platform specific code you have so for example typescript um, the idea is that for example we will be able to generate the typescript header files from your Kotlin code as well automatically so you can't just not only uh, consume Kotlin, uh, sorry, TypeScript code from Kotlin. You can also uh, expose your your own functionality very easily to uh, to TypeScript and through through JS doc also to to regular JavaScript and get all the the kind of hints and and the suggestions from from JavaScript IDEs that you might be used to as well. And talking about IDEs, right now we support this in IntelliJ IDEA. Yes. Right. We don't support it in WebStorm. No. So we don't support the uh, writing of of Kotlin JavaScript in WebStorm. But the the if you, if you finished compiling your your um, your JavaScript files or uh, created your your npm package or whatever for your for your private uh, registry for uh, from from Kotlin code, then you end up with uh, with a with a package that has. TypeScript definition files and it has JS doc, uh, and that means that the existing JavaScript IDEs like WebStorm will be able to intelligently provide you with with code completion, for example, while you're writing TypeScript that depends on on your Kotlin code. Yep. So what else is up with the state? I mean, what else is new since the release and the stuff that you covered in your talk? Well, I mean. Uh, besides the stuff that I've, I've I've covered in my talk, that's maybe a bit hard because the talk was pretty much designed to to, to cover all the all the things that are new, right? Um, but one thing that uh, is is very new about the the approach with with our new uh, with our new Gradle plugin is that we we provide people with a, a fully managed Webpack uh, kind of installation. Usually, people get get very scared when they hear that because uh, I, I my my favorite go to example or anecdote for this is I I watched a YouTube video on on how to kind of get started with Webpack. It was a a twenty nine minute video, and at the end you were able to serve some CSS and HTML and some JavaScript. And I thought to myself, if I have to spend twenty nine minutes uh, every single time I I just want to start a new project. Uh, I I don't want to use this build system, but with with the new plugin, it's it's actually a lot different. So we provide sensible defaults, which means that if you if you just create a new Gradle project, for example, from IntelliJ uh, with with Kotlin JS as a target, 
then you will autom like you can already run this application just with a Gradle task. It will fire up a Webpack dev server. If you give it the right uh, command line argument, it will even automatically hot reload the the pages when you when you change your code. So we really try to kind of smooth over this this initial pain that that or the, the fear that people sometimes have when when they hear Webpack without compromising on well all the cool functionality that it that it provides. Okay, walk me through this because there might be people that aren't familiar with Webpack. So I I create a new Kotlin JS application. The Kotlin JS application, sorry, the Gradle build is the one that is going to, you know, output my JavaScript from the Kotlin code that I write. Where right. does Webpack come in here? Right. So Webpack essentially comes in uh, at like the bundling stage. So it takes all the artifacts that have been generated by your compilation. Uh, it takes all your your resources that you have, like uh, CSS files or uh, images, and it kind of combines all of these together in in a way that is that is convenient to ship, uh, and that is that is highly performant, right? So it uh, it eliminates the stuff that you don't need, um, and just copies all of the stuff that's that's really relevant for you. Okay, so and our Gradle build system for Kotlin supports Webpack. What you yeah. said with a bunch of default, uh... right? So it doesn't actually just support it; um, it completely takes away the the whole management aspect of it. Meaning that if you have an IntelliJ installed with uh, with, uh, or just if you if you open a, a Gradle project, really, um, and and run it, it will automatically ensure that there is a, a Webpack installation on your system. Uh, you don't even need to install something like Yarn or NPM or other package managers. You can really just uh, run it immediately, and, and in the background, it will make sure that that a, a compatible version is, is installed, downloaded, executed. Uh, and instead of having to write uh, hundreds of lines of code, just writing configuration files, essentially, um, that tell them, okay, uh, we have CSS files in our uh, in our resources folder. Please copy those as well. Or we have uh, certain certain style sheets that that need to be put somewhere else. Um, we really provide uh, all of all of this is kind of done done in the background for you with with sensible defaults. And you can override those defaults if you want, right? Of course. So the most important things we expose directly through the Gradle DSL. Uh, so you can literally just put in another flag for, uh, for for example, the the CSS loaders. And if you have a, a super specific weird edge case, or you want to to use something that well, no one in the Kotlin team has thought about before, that might happen. You can still add uh, in a Webpack D folder in in the root of your project. You can you can still put in just regular webpack configuration and during the build process that'll automatically get get merged into the to the auto config that we generate nice and this is all new as part of the update that you were speaking about yeah right so all of this is only available in the new um, kotlin.js plugin I, the, the Full name is unfortunately a bit of a mouthful. It's org.jetbrains.kotlin.js. So, but I would just call it the Gradle JS plugin, and this kind of provides this. And the other part, as I said, they share the code uh, is the multi-platform plugin that allows you to do the same thing. Um, apart from that, uh, maybe a, a couple more topics that are that are new. Um, 
one of my favorite topics is source map support. And uh, that essentially allows you to look at and debug a Kotlin code right from, for example, your browser's developer tools. But also if you run tests, for example, you see, instead of seeing a minified JavaScript stack trace, you actually see um, the, the, that the stack trace references uh, Kotlin files instead of compiled JavaScript files. And that just makes it a lot smoother to, to work with. So if I'm in the browser, and let's say that I'm using the Chrome debugging tools, and I start to debug in the browser, I'm going to be seeing Kotlin code. Exactly. So if you right-click, you say, like, inspect element, and, and you have a, a console command, you will already see that on the right side, where it usually tells you the JavaScript file, it will reference your application.kt, or wherever your uh, your console logging comes from. And when you click on that, you'll see the, the whole Kotlin code directly in the browser, um, or in, in the developer tools. And you can use all the features that are available from, from the developer tools. So you can set breakpoints in the Kotlin code. You can uh, look at the current stack frame. You can um, even adjust values, I believe, and, and just kind of inspect your code in a, in a very nice fashion. So even if you kind of go through and, and step through the code, you will see that each line gets annotated with, uh, with the values of expressions and in a very nice human-readable way. And this brings up another question of now the state in which it is in Kotlin JavaScript, would it be safe to say that as a developer that knows Kotlin, I could develop front end applications without necessarily knowing JavaScript? So or here's here's a here's a super fun anecdote for this, right? So I love writing React applications. Um and really? I learned, yeah, I do. Okay. And I learned writing React applications with Kotlin. I have never in my life written a React application that wasn't a Kotlin app. I literally sat down and I went through with the documentation for the React wrappers for for Kotlin JS and the official tutorials from the React website, and. While I have to admit, it requires a little bit of uh, creativity, hard work, and a little bit of tolerance for frustration, um, it is entirely possible. I'm, I'm walking proof that it is entirely possible to even learn how to build front-end applications if you only know um, if you only know Kotlin. So you didn't know JavaScript. Uh, I had like a little bit of dabbling experience with it, but to the, to the alert extent, or console log, right, right, like okay. a little bit console of like jQuery stuff, exactly. Like, oh, so you knew nothing. jQuery? Well, <laughs> can one really know jQuery? Well, I mean, um, back in the old days, people would say, "I know JavaScript," and it's like, "No, I really know jQuery. I don't know JavaScript." Right? Yeah, no. So those were always like, I don't think I, I wrote a, a JavaScript project that was that was longer than maybe a hundred lines of code. Um, so I, I didn't really have a, a lot of experience writing writing JavaScript beforehand, but um, I, I really think that the browser is is a wonderful platform because it's the for me, I think it's the best way to just get your app out to as many people as possible across like all platforms uh, pretty much immediately not like ignoring things like performance and stuff. If you just want to get your whatever you you build to as many people as possible, 
the, the browser is kind of the, the, the go-to way. But I was always very spoiled by by writing Kotlin code. It always was my uh, my dream. And when I when I saw that I could essentially that there was a way to bring Kotlin to the browser, I pretty much yeah. I don't want to say I didn't sleep until I had it working, but uh, I I was very determined to uh, to write my my applications with, uh, for example, my React applications with Kotlin. Yeah, and there's nothing like I don't have anything specifically against React. My comment there is, it's just I, I think that you know recently I was playing with uh, doing some front end development and front end I'm talking about whether it's desktop, whether it's web, whether it's mobile, and I have to say I don't miss it. Like I I don't miss the I know that there's a lot of patterns, there's a lot of architectures that you have to bring in to essentially make the whole system quote unquote maintainable. Mm -hmm. But in particular, looking at React, I just feel that there's a slight overcomplication there with with the whole React model uh, of the web actions and the workers and the stores and the, all everything that is kind of involved in that, right? So yeah, but anyway, cool. So talking about React though, there are support for frameworks as well. So if I'm, for example, a Kotlin JavaScript developer, uh, well, sorry, if I'm a Kotlin developer that wants to use React or wants to use, for example, Angular, what do I have to do there? Use Ducat or is there some easier getting started way? Right, so this is this is kind of maybe maybe a little bit of a sore spot. Um, now that you've mentioned Angular, the the framework that that we mostly use and pretty much entirely support because we use it in house as well is is React, right? So uh, JetBrains Space. This again, this section is sponsored by JetBrains. Um, JetBrains Space uses uh, Kotlin and React for for the front end, so we have uh, very sophisticated and and well working wrappers for for this framework. Um, the team is is kind of looking into providing support for for other bigger frameworks like, for example, Angular or like Vue.js. The problem with those is that they usually bring with themselves a kind of custom custom stack, maybe a custom compiler for whatever templating language they have. So it's not as easy to to provide the the functionality just out of the box. If you are writing your your Vue.js applications or your Angular applications uh, in in JavaScript or TypeScript, then probably the easiest way to to bring Kotlin into into this whole um, uh, in, in, into kind of your your system is through by by building a, a Kotlin library and then using those through the through the JavaScript bindings. But unfortunately, as as of now, you can't write a a whole uh, Angular application, for example, in Kotlin JS. That's that's currently not possible. For things that aren't these like crazy frameworks, but that are more like libraries, uh, that's where where Ducat steps back in. But for Kotlin React, we actually support that, right? There's a there's the Kotlin Re Create React app that is a command line app that basically generates all of the framework for you, right? Well, all the files. Sorry. Well, yes, but you have to be aware that this is uh, it's it's kind of a solution that that targets uh, 
JavaScript developers more than it actually targets Kotlin developers because this uses a, a completely different build system, right? So this actually uses NPM and Yarn for your build system for Kotlin. So it kind of is is the reverse hack uh, of saying instead of, hey, we have Gradle that manages Webpack, uh, you have Webpack that manages uh, the Kotlin compiler. This is something that's a 20% project of one of the employees here at JetBrains. Uh, and while it works very well, uh, it has a couple of uh, problems when it comes to, for example, library support. So uh, I don't want to say anything wrong here, but I believe that, for example, coroutines and serialization uh, are not supported from Create React Kotlin app. If you use the regular Gradle version, then uh, you have access to all the typical Gradle plugins as well, like those those multi-platform libraries. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So what's in the plans for you? Moving forward, what are you working on, and where are you going to be heading? Because you're gonna, you got some uh, speaking gigs coming up, right? Yeah, right. So uh, I have a, I have a couple of talks that are are, are partially related to to Colin JS. Uh, I'll be speaking at NG Big Party in uh, in Prague, where I'll I'll kind of give an outlook for for people who are more familiar with the JavaScript world. On, on what Kotlin can bring to the table. And then probably one of my, my passion projects that's not entirely focused on, on Kotlin.js but also includes it is uh, my talk, Keep Kotlin Fun, which I uh, will hold at the Rheinmark KCon, which is in Germany in Cologne, and at dev.next in uh, Denver, Colorado. Yeah, beautiful and place. And essentially, that talk uh, speaks about all of the little weird side projects that I've built in my free time uh, and highlights for each of them how Kotlin has helped me achieve what I wanted to do uh, in the beginning. So it's kind of a it's a way of, of learning some, some maybe not that often used language features from Kotlin uh, in kind of presented in a way that will hopefully make it hard to forget just by how goofy the examples will be. Yeah. And that uh, dev.next is a conference in Colorado. That's Vencats, right? Yes, yeah, that's correct. Which is the first edition, which I, unfortunately I had to pull out from. And I've always wanted oh. to go to Colorado. So oh, make sure no. you take some pictures on the ski slopes. Definitely will do. Yeah, is there and ski the, in March? Uh, good question. Yeah, never mind. Um, the, other, uh, the other thing that I'll, of course, be working on with the team as well is making sure that the uh, that the documentation is is looking neat and tidy, and that we uh, make sure that all the all the docs that uh, might still be outdated or be referencing some uh, some topics that uh, that currently don't apply anymore, that that we make it very clear for people where to get started, uh, and so that when you encounter any issues or you are uh, serious about wanting to learn more, that it becomes as easy as possible, from documentation to tutorials uh, to hands-on laboratories. Yeah, we, we've got the whole uh, play.kotlinlang.org slash hands-on now, which is where we are pushing all of the tutorials. So uh, there is one around Kotlin JavaScript there. So there's gonna you've got plans to publish a few more there, right? Exactly. Um, and also make sure that all of them uh, provide you with the, with the, always the latest information, right? Because I feel like writing tutorials is is less uh, journalism than it is uh, tending to a garden and making sure that the the older tutorials don't wither but actually stay up to date. 
tending their garden. Okay. I didn't know that expression. Thank you. I learned something new. <laughs> I mean, in terms of expressions, not cool. Awesome. Well, it's been great having you on the show, Sebastian. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll chat in like ten minutes, I guess. Probably. I Probably. Say, well, we'll see each other sometime, uh, but we will. Awesome. All right. Take All care. Right. It was super nice to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.